an ultimate global podcast. Hello, and welcome to our special weekly podcast on trending international and social affairs. You're listening to Saurabh Kora and George Mavros from Sydney. So welcome to another exciting episode of Ultimate Global Podcast. Um, and in today's episode, we are joined by Simon Holloway. Um, he's the head of community at VeggiePods. Um, he's here to discuss with us on the topic of getting your business going from scratch. Uh, I met Simon a few days back. We had a very interesting uh, meeting in the city uh, of Sydney. And uh, I found him a person who was very motivated towards what he's doing. Uh, so just sort of calling him to this podcast. And he accepted this invitation. Um, so I would love to know from you, Simon, um, a bit about you and a bit about VeggiePod. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, well, uh, well, myself. I mean, I, I grew up in uh, up in the country in far north New South New South Wales, a little place called Tregeagle on a, on a hundred acre farm up there. It's up near Alstonville, you know, halfway between Ballarat and Lismore, and um, had a great upbringing there. And I then went to university and for what was us the big smoke up in Brisbane. And uh, my uh, study was in international relations, so I majored in marketing and. And Japanese. Um, I'd been studying Japanese for a long time, uh, so a lot of economics, politics, uh, international relations. I uh, immediately went to Japan upon graduation, uh, became a translator over there for a few years, lived there, had a great period of my life as a young fellow, as a Japanophile, and um, I then uh, did a a range of jobs after that. I, I was a dive master in Micronesia in a very little known tiny island called Saipan where I worked for a Japanese scuba diving company because I could speak Japanese. But So it was a nice little mix there, a little three-year tenure, which was fun for a single guy. But, of course, then I uh, had to get serious and I came back to Australia, worked a variety of uh, corporate jobs, um, which are all you know, very important in forming a, an experience and a skill set um, that, um, I, I believe helped uh, 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 um, provide a platform for success for a business starting up at a later time of life, if you like. Um, and uh, that they cross from air ambulance operations management to uh, working in pharmaceuticals and healthcare to managing teams and nurses. Um, and uh, and uh, I then came across Matt Harris's brother. Now, Matt Harris jumping into the veggie pod period. Matt Harris is the inventor. I'm not the inventor. He's the engineering smart guy on that front. Um, his brother, uh, I had worked with uh, for many years or about eight years in corporate days. And that's how I came across Matt through Paul. Uh, Paul and I were following him as a bit of a human interest story. And as a bit of a, um, you know, we always used it as a, as, as a pondering that, you know, maybe there's one day we can get out of this corporate role. Um, and we were looking at Matt and what he was doing and, and scratching around in his backyard and getting the veggie pot invented. And, and it was kind of like a little, a little light at that stage going, well, you know what, there, there's stuff you could do perhaps that, that maybe is inspiring and get one onto a new path. And anyway, um, that was 12 years ago, Matt invented it and, and he did indeed, um, the, the, he had a second version, which is pretty well what we see today in terms of it went from a one big single mould down to a multiple molded product and able to be flat packed down, which is the beauty of it as well. But anyway, um, Paul and I, then we were the only two silly fools at the time. So they said, 
who would get behind Matt and and uh, you know not only seed further investment to get get the product up and going and, and different new packaging and everything else, all that sort of stuff, but also add you know that was the it was the true f- forming of the three musketeers, if you like. We both, or we all three of us, had very different skill sets, very different personalities, uh, very different uh, histories and experiences, and that therein lies the beauty um, and different viewpoints. Of course, we we argue uh, greatly at times, uh, but you know. Uh, pearls are caused by agitation and so as long as we trusted each other um we could give it to each other at the same time and and that was a healthy thing for our business so paul and i joined matt that's 10 years ago um and we all did what we were best at if you like so matt still indeed to today does product development uh uh, still doing our new products accessories etc um paul uh, is the cool, calm, collective one of us, and 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 the the great mother hen. So he uh, is acts as the CEO. Um, he uh, yeah, all, all the P and Ls, the balance sheets, the structure, the HR, and the don't do that again, Simon, all that sort of stuff. Um, and uh, of course, I'm the mouth, and uh, I get out and market and sell, and I'm head of communities as well, which has been a passion of mine for the the good side of the biz. So the three of us uh, are still doing that. You know, I mean, in a real short summary for VeggiePod, we've gone from scratching around at the local markets to we then cold calling, old school way. I was living out of the back of my van, knocking on garden centres and modern tens uh, doors, getting ourselves into there that, in the slog. But it was a great lifestyle too, which I can get into later. Um, and we built ourselves up. We then uh, we were in about 150 stores after a couple of years by the time uh, Matt went on to Shark Tank, which was a fantastic moment for us. It still remains today our number one uh, exposure moment, if you like. Um, you know, we weren't there for the for the investment. <laughs> to, frankly, you know, we we already learned how to run on an oily rag and and not taking salaries out, etc. So it was about exposure, and that indeed got us that. And um, uh, after that, we certainly continued to grow here in Australia. We then went to. New Zealand as a litmus test for uh, overseas. Could we break international borders and international tax rules and and this, that and the other? And it proved to be very successful. And so as of today, we are now distributed in 20 countries. Um, We are very multi-channel. We're we're proud of that. It's testament to the product uh, that, um, you know, gardeners are are seeing our product and and, and noting the value and buying them in in a, a real vast array of channels from, Direct to consumer online, uh, direct to consumer through shows and exhibitions, you know, ag shows, vegan festivals, um, uh, home shows, flower shows, garden shows. We're glorified carnies. We, we do four or five shows every month of the, of the year here in Australia, for example. Beautiful way to get in contact with consumers. Um, we are in all the loyalty and redemption programs. So think of Qantas, Frequent Flyers, Virgin Velocity, Flybys, Amex, Mastercards, uh, in with those guys. Um, we do a lot in the community space, which, of course, is what I drive. Schools, hospitals, um, aged care, disabilities, veterans, prisons, uh, immigration homes, women's refugees, you name it, we're all throughout those. From an organisational perspective, it's quite different to our consumer perspective. Um, we do TV shopping. Just trying to yeah. understand, Simon, because you also have to include a lot of other questions as well. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. And one of the questions is definitely... Uh, which is the topic of this podcast is getting your business going from scratch. So, yeah, what have been some of your top two or three lessons uh, which you see while you were growing your business from scratch uh, and you were struggling 
to you know mm. sometimes failing in that business and then getting success throughout that period yep. so how was that experience of struggling failing and succeeding in a business I well it's a very business would love to know and then i'll yeah. also pass it on to george uh, to get his views on that yeah yeah well it's it's a very sobering experience and i think most new businesses will tell you that you know you have to learn to scrounge and scrap and fight and sacrifice and blood sweat and tears i don't know another single business that that's just gone back and got well that was easy we just chucked a product out online and it's uh, you know a multimillionaire already you know and and unfortunately that image is is tossed out there a lot by these rare exceptions we i mean rare exceptions get brought to the public because they are indeed rare and therefore they're an exciting and, and great news and you see this person that put this one product online and on amazon and they got rich quick but that's not reality the reality is you have to get out there you have to hustle you have to hassle you have to really expend a lot of energy and you have to sacrifice as i said before so it may mean you have to lean on a better half as indeed all three of us did at the beginning and we were living off their salaries and we weren't pulling salaries out for the first 2 3 years we were throwing everything back in the company to make it survive and grow um we did have to do those sacrifices whereby for example i lived out of the back of the van and 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 um you know was sleeping there to save on on hotel expenses and then going around and knocking on doors learning how to scrounge because i tell you what you can spending money is very easy um but knowing where you uh where you can um save money and 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 give yourself the best chance to keep liquid in the early days i think is very important and then of course later on when you start getting revenue in and you get sales in then you can start fixing up everything else so um i'm a salesman so i'm very much down that track where i will say to people forget about your pretty business cards forget about your pretty banners forget about your lovely websites and and spending you know several hundred bucks and thousands of dollars on a great logo and all this stuff that's all great don't get me wrong and it will be required at some point but if you cannot sell from the outset and get that money in that's all for nothing Whereas if you can get money in, you can fix that stuff up later. But you might have the best myob, the best logos, and the best banners in the world. But if you can't sell, or you're not selling, you haven't found the place where you can sell to. That's all going to that's all going to fall away anyway. Yeah. Well, I'm also going to ask the same question to George because George himself has been a salesperson in different industries for several years, um, and I think that will be a worth asking question to him as well from his mm. experience. What 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 does he think about the same issue? I think the most common mistake that people make is they come up with something that's brilliant, and it's their creation. <clears throat> and what happens is most creators um, have have two faulty ears. Um, the left ear hears anything that's positive and amplifies at five thousand percent, and the right ear doesn't hear anything that's negative. um so um they're like the they're like the ears of a mother who who adores their children um because <laughs> yes. they are, they've, they've, they've created this um they very rarely have a good strategy to start off with um and their egos get in the way of being able to change the strategy whereas the people that do succeed and get somewhere uh go out and there's an old cliche don't be afraid to f- fail just fail fast yes and 
Um, it's interesting, Simon, that you talk about you don't need the 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 website and you don't need the cards and you don't need this and you don't need that. Um, for years, I've been told that my website was not the best and I've been told my LinkedIn's not right and I've been told all sorts of weird and wonderful things about all the things that I do wrong, yet mm. for the last 15 or 16 years, uh, in excess of 95% of my business comes from referral. Mm. So I don't... There you go. Now I'm taking product online and I want to do recurring online business. I'm now looking at my website. I'm now looking at my LinkedIn. I'm now looking at all sorts of strategies. Yeah. But I think the biggest problem, Sarab, for a lot of people that start off in business, the ones that are naive and the ones that don't listen, um, they are exceptionally good at spending the profit before they've earned the revenue. Mm. So... Um, the, the sales guy and the money man says, oh, we're going to make a million bucks and, and, and out of that turnover we'll make $400,000 profit. And so they go and buy everything with the $400,000 profit. The problem is they haven't sold the million dollars worth yet. Yeah. The, the, the smarter ones are uh, what Simon and his partners have done where you start off and you, um, you do do it tough. Um, I don't, I don't necessarily promote that you have to work hard. I, I just think you have to work smart and you have to uh, uh, graft, grift, um, um, and, and certainly the, the, the live out of the back of the car routine and all that sort of thing. I commend you on that, Simon. Um, because <laughs> it was fun too, by the way. <laughs> Sorry? I, I must admit, it was also a fun part of the lifestyle in that parking up on headlands and yep. beaches. So, yeah, I make it sound like it was really terrible, but I actually quite like it as well. But, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I used to, I used to be on the road for many years, and, and um, I, used, um, I, I became managing director of a multi-million dollar company, and I was mm. staying in an $80 a night motel, and, and people that ran their own business used to say to me, you know, you should be staying up here at the two hundred and fifty dollar a night. I'm only going to sleep in the damn bed, and the toilet oh, works. Just the same. Okay, so um, a lot of a lot of people believe in their own hype so much that they don't bother to have a plan B, and they won't mm. listen. And so what happens is they continue to to lose money hand over fist, rather than just say, "Well, geez, that looked good on paper." Um, but mm. when I put it into practice, it failed. Okay, now I need to change. Yep. And I, th I think I think George made a good point there too, and I, I think I'm you know I'm going to speak at liberty here on, on on Matt's behalf, but you know that that I think that was where it was quite healthy for us to have uh, the three of us rather than just Matt by himself, because Matt being the creator, back to your point, George, and and, and having that emotional tied to the product it's his baby it's like he it, yep. it was born out of him right and and from day one i noticed the difference in our attachment to the product don't get me wrong i live breathe and veggie pot I, th I think i live breathe it more than he does these days i wear this bloody jumper to the football to the opera to, to much to the chagrin of my family anywhere and everywhere right so i live and breathe it but but there is this difference to from the creator to those that are that, that that's just like dug in like myself and and i could see it right down to even points where when we would first knocking on on garden centers together that the way that he would interact with a with a rejection of or somebody that had criticized the product and whereas i was going a little bit familiar just going all right yeah okay noted i, I know where we need to probably maybe fill a gap there that it was it was hurting him emotionally you could see it, it, he would get 
more of an, an anger or like this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. And indeed, the guy probably didn't know what he was talking about, but that's beside the point. The point was that in, in sales 101, you know, you don't go and then start to go on, on a fight back. But I could see, all right, here is that creator that's a bit different. Good to go back over there. You do that bit, mate. You leave it to me to now deal with the rejections because the rejection to today is a possible yes tomorrow. Whereas for him, it was like written off, how dare you say my baby is ugly, like the mother that, that wouldn't be able to handle that with her child, right? So I think you make a great point there, George. I can totally agree. And um, it's, it's very important, I think, for creators to be able to expand out of their own little network. I think that's the same for every business, right, Sir Rob and George, that, you know, you see the guys, even when the product starts to be shooting off or the service starts to be shooting off and and they are under control and maybe they, they're the sort of business where they don't need lots of headcount, I still believe you need somebody else tucked into that scrum with you because it's it, it's human nature where you are going to thrive when you're bouncing ideas off. You've got uh, somebody else is going to give you a, a good old, um, hard critique for the sake of it rather than listening to other people and to your own ears, as George said. So it's, it, it's, it's, you must have some form of mentorship or, or a side partner or, a, or someone to be able to feed into and get those realities going. I think one of the things uh, we were discussing about yesterday, uh, a day before yesterday, when we had another speaker called Jane, um, and we were discussing with her regarding three points for startups. One is idea, number two is strategy, and number three is team. What, according to you, Simon, ranks one, two, and three with regards to idea, strategy, and team? When you're talking about building a successful business, would you rank them in any order, or do you think that all of them are equally important. Oh, gosh. I mean, I, I, I certainly don't adhere specifically to a model, which I've got written up on the side of the, uh, you know, on the, on, the, on the chalkboard or anything. But look, I mean, we've got ideas coming all the time and ideas are indeed that, aren't they? They could be a good idea. They could be a bad idea. Um, certainly, one must have a culture to... Uh, accept ideas from people within close to your circle and indeed outside. We always, you know, speaking to our reps, they're out on the field and they're the ones talking to the garden centres. They're now indeed have more of their finger on the pulse than we do at times. So, yeah, we're always, I think one should always create a culture to uh, uh, allow ideas to come in, not have them shot down straight away, let, let, give, give them their due course in, in being responded to. But then, of course, you've got to start thinking about the strategy of the business and where that fits in. So, we, we do have a strategy of, uh, and a mission and, and where we, we come back to it. I thought it sounded a little bit wanky, to be honest with you, when we first did our session of going like, you know, do I really need to boil down who we are and what we're about and what we wish to achieve in three or four sentences? I mean, isn't this just out of some weird business school? But you come back to it. You need those simplifications. And I think that's where that strategy is, part. And you go, you know what, guys? Does... Um, uh, fanning out into growing bigger fruit trees in, in some sort of product. Does it actually hit what we're trying to do, which was, you know, be an easy to use product, be something that everybody can use and be something to do with fruit and veg or maybe to do with fruit and veg, but actually that's not for everybody. And then you can just kind of go, no, that's, that's not who we are. So I think the strategy should always be over there in an overarching and let the ideas come through. Team, I think was the last one, right? That's what well, to me, 
again, that's about humanity and it, it doesn't matter what it is. Business, well, it doesn't matter whether you're selling a service, doesn't matter if you're selling a product, doesn't matter whether you are a not-for-profit, for-profit, it doesn't matter. Businesses are about companies. The word company comes from humans breaking bread each other, I think, in the, in the Latin. That's literally what it means, to, to have company, right? So I, I think team is extremely important and that we must get in a uh, a situation where I, I believe physically more than what we're doing right now, but you we must be in together with a team and you will always, uh, from what I've seen anyway, I, I haven't seen a single successful company that has that has thrived out of a single person that hasn't uh, that hasn't used a team to do it. So I, I don't know if any of that made sense, but just just taking it on board, I think that's the way. Get your ideas in, but have a strategy that will mould them, and and yes, have a team surrounding you to make it work. Yep, I think another important point that we can definitely discuss here is related to this fact that from my very limited experience in sales, I find that building relationships with people. Uh, networking with people plays a vital role, plays an extremely vital role. Uh, these days, LinkedIn is getting very popular where people say that it's a good way to social sell. Um, yep. Social selling is a new concept that is coming into place where people are trying to build relationships and through that relationship that they are trying to sell their products or services. The fundamentals of online versus face-to-face -face, or new sales and marketing versus traditional sales and marketing um, that's a crock off. And the reason I say that is if you don't understand the basics of sales and marketing, you can't succeed face to face and you can't succeed online because mm. the fundamentals of sales and marketing, it's like saying one and one makes two if you use a pen and paper, but it doesn't make two if, you, if you're using a calculator. The basics are always the same. If, mm. if you understand sales and marketing and distribution, the, the advantage of online is you can get to more people at the one time. If, on the other hand, you don't understand it, it just means that you're going to muck up a lot more sales at the one time. So, But in, in certain products and categories, and I would suggest VegPod is one of them, I don't believe that Simon would have succeeded to the level he has if he hadn't gone out store to store and people hadn't seen the product and been able to touch and feel and get, get an understanding of what it is. Because it's the sort of product where I can look at a picture of it, but I want to see what it is. I want to feel the quality. I want to know this. I want mm. to know that. Now, mm. once, once you get that going, as they've done, you can then be promoting it online and people say, oh, yes, I've, I've heard about that and it's in 20 stores or 30 stores or 50 stores. Yeah. Um, it, it's no different to saying that you can sell a confectionery item by by people buying it without tasting it. It doesn't work. It just doesn't work. You can you can increase market share, but you can't. But um, so online is a great tool, but you still have to understand supply, demand, pricing, price elasticity, um, customer service. And all that sort of thing. Totally agree. Yep. Thank you so much, George, for raising that important point of building relationships face to face, and that can never be replaced by online. Online can be a supplement to that, um, but you can't you can't be replacing it all together. 
one of the final things uh, simon for you before we end today's podcast is to understand from you what was the biggest challenge you know we have listed a lot of things now in this session but what was the biggest challenge when you were starting off your business and in on your experiences with uh, so many people that you keep on meeting you see what is the biggest challenge in starting a business and how can one overcome that challenge uh well look i i guess in terms of our specific challenge um we had it was really down to getting the best bang for buck on exposure. We had a good product. We knew we had a good product. We used it ourselves. It was the world's best bloody garden bed. We knew it. And that was with all due humility. Um, it worked. There was no gimmickry. Um, it was a great garden bed. We knew, again, with all due humility, that relatively for a, a startup, we had a great bunch of three blokes, great experiences, been in corporate, uh, uh, dealt in different parts, different personalities and experiences that would form a great team. Um, we didn't bullshit each other. Um, we trusted each other. We worked hard, good ethics, um, shared the same values, all that stuff. So the teamwork was there and, and the skill set was there. Um, we, we knew we were reasonably priced if we could get people to, to, to see it and, and, and in comparison to the market. But our, the crux of our problem at the time, and indeed that's why we went on to Shark Tank, was exposure. How do we get out there? And, and, and you know, that's a kind of, I guess you could say a bit of luck, but you make your own luck too, right? Um, um, what have we kept soldiering on and, and battling on and me driving around? I mean, we had already got into 150 stores. You'll, you'll see that if you look at our episode by that point. And that wasn't without us going, oh, well, this is, we can't continue to do this. Yes, we would have. Did it mean that we, jumped in our growth and that although the growth was going to go like that we got to go parallel up because of that extra exposure you bet it did but that's what we were searching for right and if you're searching for something you'll you'll, you'll only find it then we were able to determine that for us the challenge was exposure and that is of course is when you go all right well how are we going to do this well we try online and we'll buy google adwords and all these other silver bullets not that's not going to work this isn't going to work we'll try to go to more shows yes that's working to an extent and then you start going, hang on a minute, we need to get on mass media. How do we get on mass media? We've got this, we've got that. Have we got something that's worthy of better homes and gardens already that they're just going to chuck us on and say, look at these guys? No, we didn't quite have that 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 um, uh, establishment yet. Here was an opportunity. Let's go on that. Let's get exposure. And it was fantastic, right? So then everybody who got to see us realised it was a good product, that there were a good bunch of people behind it, that it was good value for money. And boom, away we went to the next level. I mean, that's just one of the main challenges, Rob, and there are many. Um, and, uh, you know, again, as a salesman, I'll always say make sure uh, you can get the revenue in first and then you can fix the other problems with the money that you've got um, rather than the other way around. So um, I, I've seen a lot of good little businesses on the, on the, on the, going to the fellow exhibitions and shows with good people in there, uh, as, in, as in nice people there and a good product um, and a great logo about it. And they just, uh, just cannot sell. And it's unfortunate, like, you know, and, and to, it's very hard thing to say to people like that too, or, or have that introspection um, that, look, it's just not your thing. So you do need to have that challenge of finding, if you cannot sell yourself and you're about to start a business and you know you're going to find someone that bloody can, because um, you'll soon find out if that revenue is not coming in, 
the problems are going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Whereas if you get the revenue in, you can start eating away the problems and buying those problems away. Absolutely, Simon. Wonderfully uh, put forward in front of us. And a um, lot of companies, because I'm in sales um, and we have to research on what the other companies are doing, what the competitors are doing all the time. One yes. of the things that I always, always keep on witnessing is that a lot of people are focusing on event marketing these days. They invest a lot in the events, sponsoring events so that yeah. they get recognized in those events. They become proud sponsors of those events. And yes. uh, in, in, in that way, they kind of try to market themselves and get new leads. Yes. Um, yes. And I think that's, that's what you are pointing out. You might invest a lot in marketing. You might invest a lot in events, but you're not getting yes. the sales. Then that money is not going in the right direction. Exactly. And, and that's what George was saying too, basically. I totally agree with George. It's e-marketing is a tool. It's just one tool in the kit to help you sell. It does, for the most part, for the most part, and we can always talk about exceptions, and I, and I, but I don't want to. For the most part, it, it, you need to build your brand and sell first rather than hoping it's just going to go. You know, you're only successful for the most part in e-commerce once you've already built the brand and you're already selling it elsewhere. I always say my most important sales channels feed into the other e-commerce stuff. So the fact that I do have 250 personal relationships with garden centre owners and managers, that's what drives my brand. That's what gets behind my product. The fact that I can get on TV and do TV shopping and try to create a bit of personal human relationship with the buyer, that's what builds the brand. That's what gets it out there. The fact that we get our stories shown and I create relationships with the likes of you, Rob, and with the likes of George, that is where we start building social capital, which then builds into e-commerce capital, in my view. And and you know, you know, some some e e-commerce people will, will want to shoot me down for saying it, but I think e-commerce is all comes in after that. And I think George is, is was saying similar. You know, you need to get this stuff right first, and you need to be able to get yourself and your humanity behind the product of what you're selling first, and then the rest will follow. And e-commerce is a tool. Thank you so much, Simon for your wonderful insights. And again, I really want to thank you because I really found this episode as a very insightful episode. And thank you again for adding another layer of feather, uh, successful feather, I'll say, uh, to this series of CEOs, founders, and co-founders. They have been inviting some CEOs and co-founders and founders recently. Um, and we have seen that it's, it's getting tremendous traction within the audience as well. Um, and I'm sure that this particular episode will also gain similar amount of traction uh, once we share it on different channels. Thank you so much for making it insightful and I hope to see you again in Sydney. Well, thanks thanks for having me and letting me babble on. It's, uh, I, it's always a pleasure to share because, um, you know, as I did, I always learnt and listened to other people and I, I think it's a great way to get going. So thanks for having me. Cheers, man. This is an Ultimate Global Podcast. Hello, and welcome to our special weekly podcast on trending international and social affairs. You're listening to Saurabh Kora and George Mavros from Sydney.